Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Cutting Room Floor Podcast. I'm your host this week, Joy Wright, and my voice may be familiar to you because I've hosted once before, but I actually don't think that I gave any context for who I am last time. (laughs) So uh, for those of you wondering, if you don't know who I am, I'm Clay's wife, actually, and I also work at Church of the Open Door and Communications, and I'm really excited to be here. Uh, this week on Sunday, we had live preaching out of our Elyria and Vermilion campuses, so I'm joined by Pastor Clay Wright and Pastor John Jacobs. So, hey, guys. And I've resolved to never come on the cutter room floor again unless Joe is <laughs> hosting. So that's my new... Yeah, really? that's oh, it. I'm, that's just, I'm just going to reject the invitation next time. Is Joy not coming? I won't be here. That's uh, I concur. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but that doesn't work for you. <laughs> well, Sorry, Clay. You're usually the host. But you're our official. You're our, our like official, unofficial guest host now. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'm I two for in. two with you, Joy. So I'm, yeah. I'm in there. Yeah, two two points make a line. Uh, so I mean, I math wasn't my specialty, so I'll take your word on that. Fair enough. <laughs> It's true. All right. Anyways, um, well, I loved listening to both of your sermons. Uh, They're great. Uh, I loved listening to both of you. You honestly had some similar thoughts as you unpacked Luke 6, 1 through 5. Um, So I'll let you guys kind of summarize each of your sermons. Give us the Spark Notes versions. Do we summarize our own or should I summarize John's? Well, I mean, you can do what you want, but I feel like it would be more effective (laughs) if you summarized your own. Do you want to... No, man, you, you go oh, okay. ahead. Yeah, so it's so funny. I always feel like the five-minute version is sometimes better than the 45-minute version. But uh, so in our in our text this week, we were looking at a pretty familiar passage, one that a lot of people know, where the disciples of Jesus are walking through a field with him, and they're eating some grain on the Sabbath. They get confronted by the Pharisees. And then Jesus kind of takes the Pharisees to task. Um, and so in the midst of that, I I honestly really struggled with this writing this sermon uh, because it, it like all at once there it was a short passage. It was really concise. The point seemed really clear, which was Jesus is showing the Pharisees who he is. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the son of man. But then also there's all this complexity in there, like what's going on with the bread of presence? Why is the Sabbath such a big deal? So I was just asking some of these questions about the first half of the passage and the second half. So in the first half, it's all this context about, you know, eating on the Sabbath and the Pharisees being upset about that. And so I asked, why, why are the Pharisees so upset and why are they so intent on keeping the Sabbath? I dug into that a little bit and found out that um, the Pharisees developed their ideology and their approach to the law in part as a result of the pain of being exiled in Babylon. You know, they wanted to avoid that. And so I felt like that was really speaking to my my own story, even though I, I didn't share my testimony in the sermon. I, at one point I was planning to because so often we're trying to keep ourselves safe by following all the rules. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt like the Pharisees were doing as I dug into it more and more. And so you had this cool stuff about the Sabbath, this interesting uh, background about the Pharisees. And then I tried to discern in the second half of the text, okay, so why is Jesus saying the things that he's saying to them? Because if you look at all the 
all the stuff that he's saying, it's, it's all revealing about himself. And so he's comparing himself with David. He's saying, you guys are missing the point of the law, but I've come uh, to, to show you the point and to show you who I am. And so uh, looking at how, because Jesus is who he says he is, we don't need to obsess over the law. We don't need to put up these hedges that become prisons that keep us bound. So Jesus comes to set us free from the law by fulfilling the law and by giving himself, um, you know, giving his life so that we can find life. So that those are some of the themes that I was kind of hitting on with the, with the emphasis being stop looking so much, stop paying so much attention to whether or not you're getting it right, what all the rules are, but instead look to Jesus because yeah. that's, that's, that's the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. He's trying to point us back to himself and that's the point of the law anyway. And on yeah. and on it goes. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. It's funny how God takes us as we're trying to answer all those big questions in the text and what can I talk about? What should I talk about? Mm-hmm. And I was for me, it it really comes to this big question that so many of us grapple with our whole life is what does it really look like to rest? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I think as Christians and we all, we just read the word Pharisee now, like, ah, these (laughs) these silly Pharisees, you know, questioning Jesus again. And and there's so many times I have to stop and realize this is just a man. You know, we know all these things now that they don't know. And even the disciples didn't know. And they're just asking legitimate questions, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, why are you doing something that we wouldn't normally do? And so going back to that, you know, question to rest, I began thinking in my own life and people that I love, there's these big questions at times, you know, God took me to this place like, man, you know, God, why did you blank or why are you doing blank in my marriage? Um, so yeah, just really wrestling with the fact that here's Jesus not only answering the question, but claiming that the answer is the rest you're really looking for is me. You know, yeah. And the outlandishness of of this statement with offering nothing else really with that, which mm-hmm. had to sound so crazy at the time, you know, the arrogance and the audacity that that everything you're looking for is found in me. But it really caused me again to wrestle at those times. Do there's moments where I really don't believe that Jesus has all the rest that I need. So just drawing a lot of. Um, things from the story with that and and obviously come to that conclusion you know true true rest is only received when Jesus rules can i really trust him mm. you know yeah. with my wise am i willing thinking these disciples had to sit here for years figuring out or trying to figure out what this man was actually going to do and they weren't going to realize they could rest in that truly until he was resurrected from the grave so yeah, yeah so much there man but um, really, again, just that concept of rest and what does it really look like to rest in mm-hmm. him? Yeah, as I was listening to your sermon, John, I kept thinking of, um, is it Hebrews 4 maybe, where it says, make every effort to enter into that rest. And yeah. it talks about... I, I wanted to oh, do so. I, I just so touched on that. Hebrews 4 at the end. <laughs> you know, I had that. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's that whole thing. It's oh, like, man. today, yeah. if you hear it, don't, yeah. don't harden your heart. and I, yeah. I I spent some time in Hebrews because of that theme of like, you know, some people will call it like the the eschatological rest, which just means the big final rest that mm-hmm. Jesus is bringing to his people. Yeah. And I 
it's like, oh, I got to pull that in. And then you're reading in Galatians about the law and you're like, yeah. oh, I got, well, how could I not pull that in? Yeah. And in the end, I ended up cutting it all out. So <laughs> it's like, well, if only know. we had a podcast, if only no, we had a podcast. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, that would be great. I kept on telling you this week. I was like, Clay, I mean, you can cut that out, but Hey, you have hope. You have a podcast where you still get to <laughs> well, express it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, so then maybe my suggestion is go read some Hebrews for, Sure. Read the whole book of Galatians because the whole book of Galatians is all about mm-hmm. how do we wrestle with the law. Yep. And so in Galatians, Paul is talking to these Judaizers is what people call mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. People who were Jewish Christians who were trying to make make it so that if you wanted to be a Christian, you had to become Jewish first by, for instance, getting circumcised, following the Sabbath laws, following the purity laws. And Paul... <laughs> <laughs> he had some words, yeah. <laughs> but then you get it gets these... a little spicy in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, but then you get into uh, you know Galatians th- three, four. You're dealing with some Old Testament analogies, and then in Galatians five, he kind of lands and talks about how Christ has set us free for mm-hmm. freedom. You know, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So don't submit yourself again to this yoke of slavery, which pairs really well with a scripture I did quote at the end of my sermon, which is in Matthew where Jesus says, come to me. My yoke is easy. My mm-hmm. burden is light. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I this, I had, I had probably 30 scripture references at one point in my oh. sermon and I had to scale way back. I had these multiple slides that were all scripture. Same thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, <laughs> I want to, but I can't. Yeah. 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 So the first, I guess like real question, um, what is the Sabbath? I mean, both of you guys provided context in your sermons, but can you just give us a recap of what the Sabbath is and what do Christians today need to know about it? Like, should we observe Sabbath on a Saturday, for example? (laughs) Yeah. So Sabbath, um, like we talked about is it's this Jewish practice that kind of goes back to the old Testament law, and uh, when we use that phrase, Old Testament law, I think s- sometimes people restrict that just to like the Ten Commandments, the rules in Deuteronomy and stuff like that, and Exodus and Deuteronomy. And that is the Old Testament law, but also in a broader sense, it's like the, the whole, all of the first five books of the Bible, which includes all the stories of the, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all these guys um, and Moses and the creation account, all these things. So... But within that, God does give, a, you know, in the Ten Commandments, this Sabbath law, which is to um, literally stop from your work once a week and um, rest in him and join him in delight, which I thought was cool. We both brought up the creation narrative as we were talking yeah. about Sabbath. Yeah. And I, I focused more on how God rested on the seventh day, but you focused more on the image of the garden of Eden as the presence of work that was restful and fulfilling and, and delightful. So I thought that, that that was really, really cool. Yeah. That was something. Yeah. During the study time that was revealed to me and was such a neat thing going back to that. That's what it, to me, you know, God's true image is it's, it, that whole thing is, and you see the Jews struggling with this. What is work and what is, rest you know and that that god's resting but creation is working (laughs) you 
you know, that's what's so cool about it. You know, oh, wow, mm-hmm. look at this thing working and moving and growing, and but I'm resting just watching it. And that's a big thing that people have to grapple with, you know, coming to this idea of what it means to truly have a Sabbath day, a, a mm-hmm. day to stop and rest in God. What does that look like for you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, so I'm actually curious to hear from you, John, because I feel like when I was growing up, it's like in the 90s and early 2000s, we like we knew that we should treat Sundays differently. Mm-hmm. You know, and I put should in air quotes, maybe yeah. like we were something with different was supposed to be happening. But I feel like it was a whole different level. Are, are you acting like maybe mine was like vastly different because I'm just a, <laughs> a year or two like You're the same generation, yeah. aren't you? It, it it is funny even <laughs> knowing it was already fading by the time I was growing up. Like, mm-hmm. remember what are they called like blue laws or yes, something like yeah. that? The blue laws that you know, had business shut down, but for sure you just didn't. First of all, even if places were open, it was maybe till like early afternoon, like on a Sunday, you know, I remember the big thing was the mall closed at like five, four or yeah. five on Sunday. You know, if you, if you need to go to the mall, you better get there early. Yeah. Um, but it was different, but I would say already, you know, even in the, the seventies and eighties when I was growing up already, restaurants weren't changing. I think the biggest thing I saw churches, I felt like dealt with it differently mm-hmm. you know um there was that sense like you, you went home you took a nap you came back for night church because sunday was all about <laughs> that you know that's what you did you were going to focus it all on god we're like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not really the case you know anymore which the thing that's yeah i mean i this whole thing is so interesting to me because it's such a cultural phenomenon yeah. Be, like there's so many th- like first of all Sunday was never the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. all, S- Sunday is technically the first day of the week. Right. The Sabbath was always the seventh day, which is Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so, the, and the Jews didn't practice it from morning to night. They practiced it from evening to evening. So mm-hmm. for the Jewish people, it was Friday, 6 PM sundown because the day began when the sun went down for the Jewish people, because God is doing this thing at night while we're resting. And then we join him when we rise in the morning and then it ended Saturday at sundown. Yeah. And and then we, at some point along the line, what we, and I know the, the emphasis on Sunday came because that was when Jesus was raised from the dead. And so Christians, they would observe the Sabbath in the earliest days. The Jewish Christians would observe the Sabbath on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they would gather to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so then like at some point in history, it just sort of got switched mm-hmm. where Christians were like, oh, well, Sunday is the Sabbath day. And it's like, well, it it, it just all feels a little bit weird to me how how all yeah. that works and yeah I, oh for sure so i guess like as i as i think about sabbath uh and i think about like what i was preaching on you could walk away thinking clay thinks that everyone should take a sabbath on sunday and that i don't think that the the Bible is that clear about that for New Testament believers. Like I, yeah. I and I don't think that we need to be bound to doing it from six p.m. Friday to six p.m. Saturday either. So no. so 
if someone said that they wanted to honor the Sabbath, though, or like, what does that look like for for us? Like, if someone wanted to take a Sabbath, like, what what do you think that would even look like? Because I mean, we've seen like culturally, it used to be one way in the United States. Obviously, the Jews did a completely kind of different thing. So, like, what would it mean to honor the Sabbath in a way that's actually like aligning with what how Jesus talks about the Sabbath? Yeah, I think. One of the passages I really wanted to get into was Romans 14, mm-hmm. you know, where – and what's so interesting even as we're sitting here trying to figure it out, you know, God, the Bible is very vague about many of the details and, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, as modern day, you know, believers um, were grappling with how much of Judaism do we involve and not involve. You see Paul begin addressing this and, and again, iconic chapters like Romans 14 where he's, you know, he even uses um, the symbolism of re- weaker believers and stronger believers mm-hmm. and how they oh, believe yeah. about food and days. and. Yep. To me, the heart really is, you know, going back to these questions where you're saying, hey, if, if a day, if that day is special to you, let it let it be that way in your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going back to this idea again of freedom. Yes. And there's – oh, I won't get into that. But yeah, I, I think what really comes down to, you know, rest, going back to that quote from Jesus and Matthew, happens in the soul. And the mm. minute we begin prescribing and saying well, it has to be like this and it has to be at this time, it has to be this day, it has to be that, these activities. If that helps people, that's great. But if it's not, you know, adding rest to the soul, that's not a true Sabbath. You know, it can feel even more like work. So that's one of the difficulties of what yeah. does it really look like to honor the Sabbath? Yep. You really have to spend time with the Holy Spirit and yourself and knowing the things that bring you life mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. things that cause you to really, um, not to feel yeah. like you're working. Yeah, because like, is it really a Sabbath if it becomes this big burden? Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. Yeah. And I would say absolutely not. And that's where the Pharisees were missing the point of Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my big th- themes in the sermon was that the Pharisees took this good gift that God had given, and and yet they failed to see how it. The gift isn't the point. The relationship was the point. Right. Yeah. Because the sa- Sabbath is a good gift to humanity. And so I, Jesus is not doing away with um, the rhythms that are written into creation that human beings should work and they should rest and they should live in a rhythm of doing that with God. Um, and so I think, John, what you're what you're sharing is is absolutely true that the obsession shouldn't be on the day or exactly how it looks, but rather I think a better question is how can we, how can we receive the wisdom in this idea? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think the Bible has so much more wisdom to share than it does black and white guidelines and rules. And there are some things that are very black and white in scripture, but this is one of those things where it's just, Hey, if you want things to go well with you, Take a break every week yeah. and yeah. be with God and be with your and play and delight. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, when you look at it that way, it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, it, well, and I think uh, culture is uh, like, it's so funny. People go <laughs> like you, you hear about, you know, this country is limiting the work week to four days and, but that country isn't. And yet like, we know that we have a bad relationship with work. Yeah. Like something is not functioning well right but uh 
even when people are resting, they're not, a lot of times we're not Sabbathing because we're, we may be stopping from working, but we're not delighting in the goodness and beauty of God. Like, is it really resting if you're just binge watching a show on Netflix? I mean, you are laying on the couch, but where's your heart at? Where's your, you know, outlook? Are you focusing on Christ? I mean, yeah. And you, you could really, it was interesting as I was reading and even thinking about Jesus, a lot of people are saying truly in kingdom reality, what he's pointing to is you, you may honor one day, but I'm leading you into a lifestyle, a lifestyle of Sabbath rest, where mm-hmm. I, if I'm truly resting in who Jesus is and how he is, if he's the, the ruler, the Lord of my life, why would every day yeah. <laughs> and every moment not truly look, if the kingdom is here mm-hmm. now and I can rest in what God is doing, I mean, the greatest moments of my life can feel chaotic, but when I'm truly giving myself over to God, they feel mm-hmm. so restful. And I love that image, you know, one of the authors I was reading was talking about that. I'm like, man, you know, what was he, he, yeah, he honored one day, like I'm really, really going to honor the Sabbath this day, but I'm showing you a reality of like, this is what it looks like to just listen to the father and walk yeah. and participate in what he's doing. And that links up with something that I was looking into there. I was watching a Bible project video on the Sabbath, which Joy, could you make a note? Cause I'll link this in the description, yeah. but there's, there's this really cool, reality where Sabbath was a once a week thing, but there was also this Sabbath year. So it was like this seventh year is a mm. Sabbath year. And then the seventh of seven years, like the the 49th year, the 50th year or something along those lines was the year of Jubilee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there are these patterns of sevens and patterns of rest mm-hmm. that are deeper than just a weekly thing. Yeah. And if you look at both of us referenced back in Luke four, when Jesus is reading from the scroll of Isaiah, Mm -hmm. and I didn't reference this portion of it, but Jesus says, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Many people see that as a reference to Jubilee, which is this, which is this year of rest. And so it's, it's like Jesus is saying, I'm coming to bring an age where you no longer have to work and perform Mm -hmm. and be so caught up in all this stuff because I'm going to do it for you. Yeah. And that, and that, that's what brings the freedom is we have the, this is crazy. We have, as believers, we have the freedom to try and fail to mm-hmm. be like Jesus. And so rest and even living life as a Christian becomes an, this invitation and not this, oh, I better get it right or else kind of a thing. Um, we have the freedom to try to fail to be like Jesus. That'll preach, bro. To try and yeah. To try and fail. Yeah. Because. What a cool concept. And I, part of the reason I almost shared my testimony in the midst of all that is because I have been, you know, that just part of my story. I've always been so afraid of failing. Yeah. You're like a perfectionist. I've, I am a perfectionist and I've always felt like I have every reason to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so failure would be like so ridiculous, you know, like I've got no one to blame for, you know, but myself and all these sorts of things. And then when you're in that state, it's kind of hard to believe that God would still love you and accept you exactly. if you're not performing. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like, you know, me kind of well, <laughs> it's like, but, um, the gospel just smashes all of that way of mm-hmm. thinking. And God has used that in my life to just really, I love Jesus mm-hmm. because, because of Jesus, I can learn to accept myself as an imperfect person that's in process. 
Yeah. And G- and I can accept the fact that Jesus might just still smile when he looks at me, even though mm-hmm. I'm not perfect yet. Yeah. And that that's amazing. Oh, uh, absolutely. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, one of the things I really loved about both of your sermons is that uh, there was an opportunity for us to kind of empathize with the Pharisees. Cause I mean, I know clay, at least you were talking about like throwing eggs at the Pharisees or whatever. Right. Was that one of the things that you mentioned? I don't know if I said throwing eggs at the Pharisees. I talked about, we put ourselves in the stands and we're looking down on this playing field where Jesus is just absolutely wrecking the Pharisees. And we're cheering for Jesus. I think I just added the eggs imagery in my own mind as I was listening. (laughs) But, but yeah, we so often are like, Oh yeah, Jesus, get the Pharisees, you know, put them in their place. But then it's like, Oh, actually often we stand in the Pharisees shoes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We were like, you hear people are watching a football game and they start cheering and like, Oh yeah, something good happened. And you, look and you're like oh no wait that was actually really you know i'm wearing the color of the jersey that just oh, got dunked oh on. yeah honestly and it's so, like yeah yeah so kind of where i'm going with this is um both of you guys gave some context although like in somewhat different angles as to like why the pharisees took the sabbath so seriously and why they were so upset because if you just took it at face value it's like well come on why are they making such a big deal of it like relax but if you think about where they're coming from um i don't know can you guys dive more into like what influenced the pharisees sabbath regulations so john you kind of focused more on like the messianic expectation and clay you kind of focused more on the fear of exile so can you guys both kind of dive deeper into that yeah, I again, this was it was new to me because you are you're doing research and um, learned that evidently a lot of them truly believed going back to Eden. You know, if if we can take this this command that's God God has given us and we can actually stop as a nation, if we can fulfill this one day, mm-hmm. just one time, we can hit it, and where we've kept this day holy. Man, that is when the true rest is going to come because the Messiah is going to come and we all know mm-hmm. the Messiah is going to bring the kingdom and the kingdom means all our enemies are going to be vanquished and we're going to be put back into glory as a nation. And it's it's so interesting now to look at Jesus. There's so many truths there yeah. that are standing right in front of him. But, but yeah, you begin to see their heart. And I can remember... And I don't know if both of you guys went to Israel. I know Clay, you yeah. Yeah. only Clay. I didn't. Not yet. Someday we, we weren't married. Joy got yet, left so. behind. I know, wow. man. I had, actually, I proposed to her and then immediately left for Israel. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> wow. great, thanks, dude. But at least you Facetimed me. But frequently. I, I can remember, yeah, being there and listening to um, an Orthodox Jew there talk about the law, and he, you're. You're amazed at their Mm. heart is, no, I want to keep the law. I want to fulfill the law. I remember him saying, you know, if, if I go to the grocery store, it's, it's not trouble for me to pick through every apple to find the perfect one for my beloved. It's, and it was just an interesting take. And so it, it gives me a little, you know, hopefully insight into the Pharisee's heart. Like, Hey man, we're trying to keep this thing because we want something good to happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's always important to realize they're not, they're not just trying to be boogers in this. They, they would be the pastors. They would be the religious leaders of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, they really did want the Messiah to come and the kingdom to come. So, yeah. And it's so devastating that Jesus was right in front of them and they missed it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it begs the question, 
how are we doing the same exactly thing? You yeah. know, like, i mean yeah. there are and i do feel like this is one thing i wished i had had a little bit more time to wrestle with in the sermon and even in the week of pre- of, of preparing to preach is where specifically today is the church you know raising up certain issues mm-hmm. as like the thing and mm-hmm. how, like what are the things that we think oh if i'm doing this then i'm a good christian and people who aren't doing this or people who think differently about that they're bad christians yeah uh and, and there's some of th- some i think there's some of that stuff that is is valid you know for instance i think if if you don't believe in the trinity it's you're not a bad Christian, but you may, you just might not be a Christian, you know, <laughs> but, but, um, but there's a, so much stuff that we just elevate, um, whether it's sociopolitical issues or all sorts of different things. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that we struggle with legalism. I just think it might look a little bit different now. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, where we're not, we're not necessarily writing down all the laws in like a charter where, but there were a lot of churches historically that have done that. Yeah. But we're more, but, but we still, honestly, for me, it was a lot of, I feel like I'm a bad person because I can't seem to do this. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a uniquely, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a poor excuse for Christian because I can't seem to get it right in this area or that area. Um, and that's legalism. It's just in reverse because yeah. I yeah. feel like I'm failing, which means I'm not worth it. Yeah. Um, and so the kind of the, the flip side of that messianic, that, that sort of like looking forward to if we can just get it right, all the good stuff is going to happen was if we get it wrong, all the bad stuff is mm-hmm. going to happen, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the stuff that I was looking at. I wanted to read two lines from an article yeah. just because I, I, I found this so fascinating. Um, so the, the Pharisee, this is an article I found on biblicaltraining.org. They've got all these excerpts for you know you can search all sorts of sorts of stuff on there but it says uh um the pharisees accepted along with the torah as equally inspired and authoritative all of the explanatory and supplementary material produced by and contained within the oral tradition translation in exile and as uh, shortly thereafter they had all this oral tradition so all this spoken word rules and ideas and they accepted that oral tradition as on par with the things that God had actually had written down in the Torah. Um, This material apparently began to evolve during the Babylonian exile through the new circumstances thereby brought upon the Jewish people. Translation, when they were in exile, there was no temple. There were no scribes readily available, so they couldn't rely on the written law. They couldn't rely on the other forms of worship that they had been relying on. So they had to have this sort of oral tradition going on to try to make sense of their circumstances and how they could live with God. The exile was seen as a divine punishment for neglect of the law. And accordingly, during this period, there was an earnest return to the law. So failing to keep the law is what put us here. So we need to start <laughs> keeping keeping the law. Detailed exposition of the law appeared in the form of lots of highly specific injunctions that were designed to quote unquote build a hedge around the written Torah and thus guard against any possible infringement of the Torah by ignorance or by accident and, and on and on it goes. But that's, that's some of the stuff I was reading that article and, and, and a couple others where it was tying the Pharisees fervor for the law back to exile. 
And this is so, you, you can see this in all sorts of different cultures, how the trauma of horrible circumstances like a war, a massacre, a genocide, you know, something like I, I referenced nine 11 in my second sermon mm. and just the cultural impact that that has, it changes the imagination of a whole society. Yeah. Mm. Um, it changes. Do we feel safe or do we feel unsafe? And mm. under what conditions do we feel safe? And as I th thought more and more about that as a motivation for them, um, again, I began to resonate with that. It's like, mm -hmm. if I'm not perfect, how will I, how do I know that God's going to protect me? Like if yeah. I keep messing up, won't God, you know, let bad things happen to me so that I learn my lesson and so on and so forth. When yeah. in reality, I think that's so far from the heart of the father. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even though, you know, that even though he does discipline those he loves. And yet I think that the, the Pharisees were so, um, in some ways, uh, caught up in following the law be because they were, they were, they just didn't want all the bad stuff to happen. <laughs> they yeah. wanted all the good stuff to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. Jubilee, yeah. not exile. You know, yeah. they sure. wanted the rest and not being sent as slaves into a foreign nation. Yeah. And that would give them a sense of control and comfort, I'm sure, which is mm -hmm. something that we also gravitate a lot towards. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah to me, that's what's so interesting watching them again. I, I, I stumbled on that the chart of the 30 line, 39 Malachit or Malachos. Yeah, or that was called. really interesting. And thinking about this, like, again, so the heart is there. And as parents, we do this a lot, you know, but the rules are there for control. I want to control this so it goes good. And then you have Jesus living in this place where my rules are here for just the opposite. They're for freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's just such a difference there. You know, and ironically, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly what happened with the Pharisees, but we have no record that they're martyred or whatnot. They followed all these rules and seem to maybe die in, in a peaceful way. And Jesus and his followers don't. And yeah. yet we're emulating their lifestyle because there's a freedom, even when things seem bad, mm -hmm. when you're doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, when you're free to do what God's calling you to do. That's, that's again, what's so interesting to me about Sabbath mm -hmm. and rest the way yeah. God calls us to do it. It might even not quote unquote, end up good yeah. until again, it's all the way done. And then you can realize, wow, you know, well, look at that. And actually that's another thing that I didn't, th that kind of got cut out of my sermon is there's a, in one of the parallel passages uh, of the, for this text, I don't know if it's in Matthew or Mark, but Jesus says, uh, after he talks about comparing himself with David, he says, and don't you know that the, the priests, defile themselves in the in the temple mm -hmm. every sabbath yeah but i guess because they're touching dead animals which would defile you and you're not allowed to be unclean on the Sabbath. Yeah. I, I don't they're know working, exactly they're about cutting that. up animals yeah, they're, they're slaughtering and so and yet they're guiltless yep and and then he says i tell you something greater than the temple is here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and on the one hand i think directly what jesus is saying is how can you like I'm doing the kind of work that's God's work. I'm representing the people to God. I'm representing God to people. That kind of work is holy. But I think on the other hand, if you look the in the context of the exile motif, the exile was so bad because of the destruction of the temple and the loss of God's presence in the temple. And now Jesus is saying something greater than the temple is here. Like I'm coming to bring God's presence to you. 
And yet the Pharisees are trying to hold on to the temple and reject Jesus. And then the temple's going to get destroyed anyway mm-hmm. in like 40 years from mm-hmm. this story in 70 AD. And so I, uh, that was, I, I love thinking about that. I, I almost kept that in because it was so powerful. Like you think that you can control and you can sort of wrestle down God's presence and you can't hold on to it. It's, it's, already got one foot out the door. The temple is going to go away. This whole world that you know is going to be gone, but I will never leave. And mm-hmm. I have come to bring God's presence to you to yeah. stay. Yeah. And so like Jesus is, I don't know. I was like totally geeking out over all the exile temple presence of God yeah. type, mm-hmm. type motifs. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost uh, like we also cling to things in this life that also mm-hmm. Jesus yes. is like, Hey, that's not the point. That's not mm-hmm. going to remain in my kingdom. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So uh, with that, I mean, clearly the Pharisees, at least to a degree, believe that they could, like they could keep the law, you know, they could do everything. They could check all the boxes um, and that people could do that. They believe that. Um, but I've also heard that, that quote, that the point of the law is that we can't do it. So can we unpack that? Like, what, what does that mean? Can we dive more into the point of the law is that we can't do it. Cause I mean, the, again, the Pharisees definitely thought that they, they could. Right. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? Yeah. I think that's another good question that I wrestled with. And I tried to choose my words really carefully because the law is good in, in a lot of ways. And if you read in the old Testament and in the Psalms, it's like the law of the Lord is perfect. There's it's the, the law. Isn't this bad thing. And I think sometimes we can get that impression. That's why it's, it's good, helpful to read Romans to read Galatians. Cause Paul, this dude who knows the law better than most people who've ever lived yeah. Yeah. is helping us see how Jesus and the law, you know, relate to one another. Um, but, but then of course I, I talked about in my sermon, how the, the, the law isn't the point. The mm-hmm. law is good. It's a good gift, but it's not the point. Yeah. Because the law was given for people. That's another one of those quotations from Jesus in the in the parallel mm-hmm. passage that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah. Um so yeah, I uh it, this is a this is a good tension to ride. Um did, what are what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it's I'm like you you want to always use your words carefully because mm-hmm. there's always that whole Old Testament God versus the New Testament right, God, which yeah. we know is not the case. Yeah. So you're trying to rectify how in the world can the can the Jesus that mm-hmm. I'm looking at yeah. that that seems so different, and yet obviously he's the exact representation of the Father. Mm-hmm. How do I how do I look at that old law and say clearly it's good? God mm-hmm. knows what he's doing, and then look at Jesus and why does it seem so different? And, and I almost feel like the whole point of the law is good, but the whole point is that we can't keep it is I'm like, man, was Jesus trying to show us? Let's, let's take something like the, the rebellious child. You know, they take him outside the city 
and stone them. Was was yeah, the whole yeah. point for for a mom and a dad to throw theirself on the kid and say, "Well, will kill me instead." You you mm. almost wonder if God's whole point yeah. is like yeah. if the whole point is to love people. How did nobody ever? Well, the law is we got to take Timmy out and go stone him. Oh that somebody should have like you know, and and maybe there were people. That's what was the case. Was like no, because you clearly see Jesus doing this with the woman caught in mm-hmm. adultery. Mm. And and so I guess that's where I grapple, and I'm not trying to put you know words no. into God's mouth, but you begin to see if this is truly His heart. The heart is like I love people, and the whole point was for someone all along to say, "Why would we go slaughter all these mm-hmm. people? Like, how can we bring them into you know who we are and how we are? And yeah. let's do. We'd rather die from our enemies than to have to go in there and do it." Was the whole point? God was just hoping someone would finally say that. So. But for yeah. me, that looking at Jesus, that's what I'm seeing over and over and over. And just that simple phrase that we see, it, it's, it's become cliche now, and yet we haven't lived it. The whole point of the law is to love your neighbor. Like, everything's trying to point you back to community. Yep. And that's even the danger of the Sabbath. If the Sabbath is all about me and my rest and what works for me, and it has to be my show and my agenda versus... Man, if it doesn't benefit the community, can I really rest? Yeah. If my kids are so upset because I have to take this day to myself, is that really the – so yeah, everything's tied in there. Um, but So to me, that's always the point is I can't – I know I can't fulfill the law because the law isn't about me. It's about everybody else and – um, yeah, now I'm kind of, I'm rambling. No, but. that's, yeah, I, I was wrestling with that same thing because I was looking at all the different places where it talked about the Sabbath in the old Testament. Cause I was trying to figure out, I was trying to remember which old Testament prophet, um, like brought up the Sabbath as one of the reasons that Israel and Judah were going to go into exile. So I was, I've spent like a long time trying to find that <laughs> passage and along the way, I was reading twice where God says, if anyone, if anyone breaks the Sabbath or profanes the Sabbath, stone them. And then there was a third story of a guy who, who was picking up sticks on the Sabbath Mm -hmm. and everybody was like, Oh, you know, what are we supposed to do? And so I think in the story, if I'm remembering it correctly, they go and they like ask God, like, Hey, what should we do? And God said in the, in the Bible says, God says, kill the guy. And so they kill him yeah. for oh. picking up sticks on the Sabbath. Yep. So it's yep. like, this that is no there. joke. Yeah. And it's, there's a part of me that wants to be like, when they, when it says they inquired of God, what did, like, does that, like, were they casting lots? Were mm. they, like, what like, did, did that look like? And that's exactly, God, yeah. Or did they Not think to, that they did? I mean, yeah. who knows? And, and I don't want to, I don't want to call, like, I don't want to take a red pen to scripture yeah. because I want to, you know, we submit to scripture and yet I want to wrestle with how, how in the world is that loving God and loving people? And it, if Jim were here, one of the things I love about him is, and the emphasis in his preaching and in his ministry is the holiness of God. And that's, I think that's another good, just kind of lighthouse point to help us drive this ship is Mm -hmm. God is holy. And and he destroys sin and, yeah. and his wrath is poured out against sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are times in the development of the nation of Israel where people die because of sin, because of mistakes that were made. 
And that's a good reminder to us that the penalty of sin is death. The wages mm-hmm. of sin is death. And that's, that's new Testament. Um, and it's only because of Jesus that we don't die because of our sin. Um, ultimately, you know, yeah. that we'll be mm-hmm. raised to life. So I, yeah, the law is good. And yet the law is summarized and re it's not redefined, but it's, it's summarized and fulfilled by Christ to love God and love people. Yeah. Um, and so at, at its best, I think the old Testament laws help us to, they give examples to us of what does it look like to love God and love people. And yet they're also to a completely different cultural context. So it's it, reading the old Testament law is challenging for believers today, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But it, it certainly does show us that we need Jesus, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that we have rebellious hearts and that honestly, like we need to repent and, then we look at just the love of Christ, mm-hmm. like how incredible that is that he, he took yeah. that upon our, upon himself. And we don't have to like be chained to that in the same way. Like we were talking about how there's freedom in Christ. So, and I would say as, as well, one of the best quotes I've ever heard on the law is that the law of love, which is the call to love God and love people prompts far more than the law demands. Yeah. So love prompts far more than the law demands. I found that so helpful for me because when I'm trying to read the Old Testament law in a way that's going to feel like less of a burden on me, where it's like, oh, well, I don't really have to do that because of Jesus. Usually that's because I'm trying to be lazy and get out of loving people. Which is truly more self-centered, which is not at all love. <laughs> right. Yeah. As opposed to like trying to get around the law so that I can love people well. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I, I always find that a really good orienting question is, am I, am I trying to get out of loving people? Mm-hmm. Because it's, love is going to probably prompt more than the law. Sure. Is required. And, oh, yeah. and speaking of the call to love, John, you did reference Romans where Paul is talking about that, like loving, loving people. Like that's how like the law is summed up. And mm-hmm. of course, Jesus also talked about that, but there comes a tricky kind of question though. Like will love ever prompt us to break God's law? Like, you know, are there exceptions? I mean, obviously clearly the Pharisees thought that the disciples were breaking the Sabbath, breaking God's law when in actuality they had added more to the law than there actually was. So, I mean, I guess that they weren't, but still are there, is there any situation where you could see that, you know, is there a gray area? Well, certainly, <laughs> you know, Joy, it, it's interesting because just knowing the nature of people and I think mm-hmm. that's what all of us deal with is, oh man, I, you know, I, you can take so many scenarios where people will look at your relationship with a person in ministry and it can easily look like, depending on your interpretation of loving your neighbor, that you're condoning a lifestyle, that you're condoning yeah. an action, that a certain church is mm. just too welcoming. And those are real questions that people have to ask you know, themselves and the Holy Spirit, of course, like, oh, what, what is my role here? To me, that is the discipline. But, but going back to a heart posture for me, yeah. And I've had to you know do this so much as a pastor. Even it's interesting what you were saying, Clay, about like just loving people. There's so many times where I just don't want to pick up a phone call and realize that's breaking God's law. Like Mm. just right now, it's just so easy to hit decline. 
Because um, all the spam messages. Do. Oh it's yes, like... it's just another robocall. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's a it's a call I know I should take or, a, or an email I should engage with. But for me, the the true Jesus answer is no. I I can't break the law. Well, my heart is if I truly love God, and I know this response right now is coming from a place where I love people. It's impossible for me in that heart posture to break God's law, no matter what it looks like to people, which is why it's so fascinating that Jesus constantly looks like a lawbreaker. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. looks like a rebel from the get-go. It looks like he's very, very careless. Um, however, you know, on the other side, I know there's people that are always going to take that that posture, and, and we see it all the time, yeah. you know, on YouTube channels and people – writing blogs against this church or this speaker and things they've taken it too far. And I, you know, I, I don't want to take sides on all those, but um, for me, it's, it's a heart posture of where I'm coming from mm-hmm. and what God is asking me to do, which I really see in the life of Jesus as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, I think you're totally right that when we're living the way that Paul talks about it in Galatians is living by the spirit mm-hmm. because the spirit is who prompts love in us and for others. So when we're living by the spirit, we're fulfilling the purpose of the law. You know, the, the hope in the prophets, like in the, in Jeremiah was not that the law would go away, but that the law would be written on our hearts. And that's what the spirit does is he writes, he pours God's love into our yeah. hearts writing the law onto our hearts. He's not talking about memorizing the law. He's talking about the law coming out of us, out mm-hmm. of the center of our being, rather than us always trying to have this extrinsic regulations. We're like, oh, can I do that? I don't know. I got to go check the laws. It's like, no, that's not the the point is that the law, the law of love is flowing out of us because of mm-hmm. the spirit. Right. And so when, when the law of love is flowing out of you because of the spirit, of course, you're not going to break God's law. And yet the, where people get into trouble is where they fail to define love well, um, because it, it's, and this is a classic example, Jim, Pastor Jim used this recently in a sermon of his, you know, it, it can feel loving at times to withhold a diagnosis from a cancer patient. Right. It's like, well, it's their birthday. You know, they got all yeah. this other stuff going on today. Mm-hmm. I don't want to burden them, but that's not a, that's actually not loving. So Eventually, you have to ask the question, what does love look like in this situation? Absolutely. But I I also want to say from the other side, just the question at face value, will love or will, sorry, will, will the grace of God, will the love of God ever prompt you to go against the Old Testament law? One interesting case I want to bring up in scripture is the whole clean and unclean animals eating scenario that mm-hmm. that gets right. played out in the book of acts where for centuries the jewish people god's people were not allowed to eat pork and, and all, all those shellfish yeah. and all these other sorts of things and then the apostle peter has this vision where god lets down this sheet of all these animals and he says take it and eat it and there's <laughs> They, they spent a lot of time trying to work through that. Like, what does this mean? How is this possible? And then in Acts 15, they have a whole church council about it because they're like, <laughs> you know, yeah. do we make the, what do we make the Gentiles do? What do we not make them do? And so this has been a, something that the church has wrestled with from its inception in the book of Acts. And yet 
that's an example of a time where the freedom that we have in Christ allows us to quote unquote, break the old Testament law. And that's been, now that's a really small example because it's talking about eating, you know, what do you eat? Are you allowed to eat shrimp and ham sandwiches or not? Sure. But eating ham sandwiches is against the old Testament law. Yeah. You know, so it's like, and, and these are huge because we're, we're, you know, we, we all eat ham and cheese sandwich around. No big deal. It was a huge deal and it's mm-hmm. happening on the fly. And I believe I could be wrong that what they say there, it seemed good to us and to the Holy spirit to only ask them to refrain from the blood of Australia. Yeah. So I'm like, and you're, you're listening to people. And this is what I love about the Bible to me is on the fly, they're figuring it out. And it feels very much like this seems right to me. And as I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, it seems good to the Holy Spirit because this is manifesting and loving people. Yeah. And, and you're, I feel like true Jesus followers, and we see this in the book of Acts, always seem to walk that line of yeah. of looking like you've pushed it too far. I love one of my favorite passages, Paul saying, you know, and, and think of this, how, how far we could take this, the danger of the statement, but it's said in the Bible anyway. Paul says, I've become all things to all people so that some may know him. You know, to the Jews, I became a Jew. To the Gentile, I became a Gentile. I mean, think of the audacity, yeah. yeah. And it's in the Bible. So is the point just to be like, oh, well, to the strippers, I became a stripper. Like, what? <laughs> no, you have to do the work of like, yes. okay, that statement is there. So I have to go in there as mm-hmm. a, a follower of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. imbued with his Holy Spirit and ask, okay, what does this look like here then in that? And because I would say that's a dangerous statement and it's oh, for in sure. there. Anyway, I'm going to err on the side of love. I'm going to err on the side of allowing you the freedom to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one of my favorite – I think it's First Corinthians 9 where he says that. And I've always loved that and trying to figure out, man, God, what does that look like? I want to yeah. be all things, all people, not just so I fit in, so that, so that some somebody may come to know you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What an incredible heart. Absolutely. And I, and I think one of the things I love about that example in Acts 15 is it wasn't one person trying to figure it out in a room somewhere. It was the people of God coming together to seek wisdom together mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and to submit one to another. And, you know, they, they had a church council where they brought all of the elders together. So it was a, you know, I, I think that we, we can lean on, at least in my life, I've really cherished being able to lean on guys like you and guys like um, the other pastors at our church and mentors that I've had in my life where I can go to them and I can say, Hey, I'm wrestling with this. Can you help me think through this? Mm-hmm. You know, what it seems good to you? Where, where, yeah. how's the Holy spirit leading yeah. you? And not, and I don't think that that's a cop out. Yeah. Like I, I, I think that's a part of how God wants us to wrestle with him and with the Holy spirit. Well, it's a discerning process. I mean, if we right. all have the Holy spirit with us, you know, that can be help be some confirmation if other people are hearing the same thing from the spirit, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So kind of pivoting here. What, what about the son of man comment? Like, what oh is that? What is the significance of that? What does that mean? Cause on its face, if you're not familiar with the whole of the Bible and with that Daniel passage, it's like, wait, I mean, I think Clay, you, you especially mentioned like, wait, son of man, isn't Jesus the son of God? <laughs> like, but yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. What, what, what's the significance there? 
It's a good question for us only to have five minutes left. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> so. I'm a bad timekeeper. No, it's okay. It's just such a huge... Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's hard, honestly, because I know I've studied the title, and yet even I don't know that I fully grasp all of the significance of it. Um, but like I said in my sermon, it's a, the son of man is this character that appears back in the book of Daniel and Daniel's having these visions while he's in exile in Babylon. And he sees someone like, who looks like a man. He said he, in his vision in Daniel seven says, I saw someone like a son of man. And so it's someone who looks like a person coming down out of heaven and then being presented before the ancient of days and receiving receiving all of this power, and then everybody's worshiping the Son of Man, and then the Son of Man brings God's kingdom. And to Daniel, in, in his day, it was this sign of hope that, you know, there's a future for God's people. Um, and then when Jesus comes on the scene, he's like, there is a future for God's people, and it's going to happen in me. And so I'm going to take that title to show that I am the one who looks like a human being, who who is a human being, yeah. coming out of heaven with divine power, because I'm also God, and I'm going to embody your hopes for what God is going to do and how he's going to be redeeming. And yet there's also this play on words, where literally what it means is I'm, a I'm, human. I'm the human one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's also a lot of beauty in that, because in because Jesus is not just coming to the earth to do a certain thing, but he's also coming to identify with us. Mm -hmm. And so there's kind of the two sides of the coin Absolutely. Um, with, with the title. Something that I love about Jesus is, is his emphasis on his humanity that, that he goes to great lengths to, to identify with us, to make sure, you know, I am a human. I, I heard it once and I, I just agree whole wholeheartedly that, you know, so many of us, we obviously we we embrace his divinity a hundred percent. That's why he did what he did. What we struggle with, I mean, was he really human? Mm -hmm. And I, to me, part of Jesus' love of that title is I I love you know this being with you, um, mm -hmm. being the human one. I want you to know in so many ways. I hear it in his language. I'm right now. I'm just like you. You're gonna do the things I'm gonna do, even greater things, and. It's such a beautiful thing and vice versa. We we totally embrace our humanity and what we struggle with is the divinity that dwells in us. And that's the mm. interesting thing about those two things is yeah. Jesus being divine but trying to emphasize his humanity and, and we have the opposite struggle and um There's a I when I was in college I audited a class on Eastern Orthodox theology, which is the Eastern Orthodox tradition broke off from Roman Catholicism in about a thousand, it was 1054. And then the Protestants, we broke off in 1500 or so. But uh, they really emphasize this idea of theosis, that we are, they, they have this phrase that they'll say where they say, Jesus took on our humanity so that we can take on his divinity. Absolutely. And yeah. it's like, dude, yeah. that is, it's like, oh, it's like, so it's, yeah. it's like, man, is that, is, that is crazy. We use and words like incarnation mm -hmm. talking about Jesus. And we don't even think about the fact that, you know, if his spirit is in us, God incarnate, and it's so funny. It seems so alien and. 
you know, one of the struggles of our life is to believe that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the mm-hmm. same exact spirit that's in us. Mm-hmm. So, and we talk, we talk so much about Christ likeness. Mm-hmm. That's the, that the hope of glory is that we will be like him. Yeah. That we yeah. will share in his glory. So like the glory of God, like our hope as Christians is, you know, take one step back from heaven, take one step back from eternal life. The hope is that we will share in God's glory, that we will, we will be transformed into Christ's likeness mm-hmm. from one degree of glory yeah. to the next. That's yeah. such a surreal thing to think about. But I mean, if you think about the fact that we're even made in God's image, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, that that seems like the natural mm-hmm. way for things to yeah. go if God wants us to truly be like him. And not that we will become God, right, but right, that right. we will become such a reflection of his divinity that there will be something divine about that's a picture of john 17 i and you you and me you and us it is it's this man it's so going to be so tangled together i mm-hmm. want that for you and it's to me it's a it's a beautiful and powerful picture yeah. yeah and the amazing thing is that like god created us in the beginning he created humanity he knitted each of us in in our mother's wombs and again yet again as we become new creations as we become more like christ it's not anything that we're doing either. It's it's still exactly. all God again. That's where I was about to take us. it back to because that's where becoming like Jesus can become this exciting invitation, this exciting promise, and not just this, you know, burden that hangs on our backs. Yeah. Where it's not something because I I'm powerless to to, you know transform myself into God's glory or in, you know, into to receive God's glory from one degree to the next. Yeah. I'm powerless to make that happen. All I can do is submit myself before the father and say, I accept that invitation though. Mm-hmm. So if you'll, if you'll make it, if you'll make it happen, bring it on and then sub- live that life of submission to him. Going back to rest. That's, that's the whole thing of mm-hmm. like, yes, I have a part, but it's to rest in him yeah. and, and what he's saying. And what he's doing, and I, Jesus again. I only, I only do what he's telling me to do. I only say what he tells me to say, and that's just a beautiful thing to rest in. If that's truly my job as a believer, like mm-hmm. to not have my thoughts and my words to go into that word. What are you asking me to do? And do that, and just rest in it. And I, I often call that like the biggest pressure release valve of Absolutely. every issue we, mm-hmm. yeah. because we can get all stressed out about yeah. all the stuff, yep. whether it's preaching or what am, how, what am I going to say to this person or how am I going to handle that situation? Yeah. Well, the pressure release valve is you have the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Spirit. You can rest Preach. in the fact that yeah. Yeah. whatever situation, whatever moment you find yourself in, it is not up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's you, true you freedom, can lean right? On the spirit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, I know we're we're starting to run a bit low on time, but Clay, I really want to ask one more question. Do, as as the normal host, do you think we have enough time? What's your judgment call? Um, I, I, I mean, we're we're already we might as well go for it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So this will be the last question. I I just really like it because it's so on the ground practical. So it's what are the rules or laws that we create in modern day Christianity that keep us from resting in God? And we'll, we'll land the plane there. But what are your thoughts on that, you guys? Mm. So I think there's a lot of layers to this. I mentioned a couple of things in my sermon talking about... So, so I'll give you one example. Do I even want to get... Yeah, I will. So 
reading your Bible every day is a great and helpful thing when done out of a spirit of when, when done in the right way. However, there, you will not find what, so I, I guess meditate on it day and night. There, there are scriptures that talk about daily Bible reading. However, written scripture was not widely available until after the printing press. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the idea that we all have our own copies of the Bible and we're all reading three chapters a day alone in a rocking chair somewhere, that is the fact that we can do that is a great privilege and it's awesome. But to say that someone is a bad Christian because they don't have access to it or because they have a, you know, mental health disorder that keeps them, you know, that, that all but prevents them from reading because of their level of attention. That doesn't make you a bad Christian. You can meditate on the word of God day and night just by remembering God loves me. He made me, he Mm -hmm. saved, he, he died to save me. That's meditating on the word of God as well. I think, you know, because those are concepts in scripture. So the, I, I think we've, we've, so scrutinized certain spiritual disciplines like Bible reading and prayer, and you have to do it in this way. And if you're not, then you're wrong. And I I just, I'm not sure that it, it's meant to be that cookie cutter. Yeah. Like is reading the Bible every day, the point of being a Christian? Well, I mean, it's to become like Christ and that might be an instrument in there, but if, if you're just doing it to check a box and you're not actually spending any time with God, then are, is that just a hedge Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the Pharisees, you know? And even you can branch that into like attending church on Sundays. Mm -hmm. Again, in the history of the church, Gathering on Sunday was when you celebrated the resurrection of Christ. Your, you know, it's your one week, um, one week uh, reunion of to just to remember the death of the death and resurrection of Jesus. But the the early church met on all kinds of days, not just on Sunday, and yet we we treat it like well. But if you miss Sunday, are you really? Are you yeah. really a Christian? And it's Are like, you well, really it's, good it's, Christian? that uh, only makes sense for like the last 500 years. It's like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. that only makes sense in such a specific narrow and church attendance is great. I wish more people would attend weekly, you know, so yeah. it's, and it's beautiful and encouraging to gather with other believers. Like that's, it's a good thing again, but, but that was one of the points in your sermon, like about good things and dead religion. Like if Jesus mm-hmm. isn't the point of it. Oh yeah, uh, it was funny how, and I I brought this up. He was Jesus was highlighting so many things that he did that we would never, you know, make part of our religious thing. Going back to feasting with friends, yep. went out fishing. He happens to be walking through a field, and Clay. It was the same point for me. Is like typically as a pastor, if I ask people, "Hey man, how's things going with your walk with Jesus?" I'm going to get told two things: how they're doing in their Bible reading. And if they did or didn't go to church in the past a little bit. And, and like we said, we would never tell people not to do those things. Those are great things to do from a heart standpoint. But man, going back to what it looks like to follow Jesus and truly love people, man, that can become – I've I've known a lot of empty, dead religious people that they're spot on in both those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And man, they are – 
they are not alive in in the spirit. And yeah. I've seen so many people. There's so many things. Even back to a married person, I have people, oh, me and my spouse, we never pray together. That's great if couples do that, but you're not going to find one Bible verse or story now where they're just every day, you know, these two are sitting down praying together. So, again, there's so much freedom in Jesus on how to do that, but it's mm-hmm. always got to come from a standpoint of is this manifest in my love for God and the love yeah. for people around me. And again, that seems so wide open. People want – it's funny. There was a song back in the day. Um, I forget the artist, but it was called um, – a new law and people like just just tell me what to do mm. and rather than how about god tell you what to do today and if he i'm amazed going back to bible reading people complain about why well, i sit down to read and my mind just starts going crazy and i tell them man let it go there because a lot of times when i pick up my bible to read i'm two minutes in and god will remind me you never texted joe mm. back Hey, you forgot to pick up milk. You told your wife, why don't you get up and run down? I'm pretty sure the store's open at 7 a.m. Yeah. Why, why don't you leave your sacrifice at the altar? Because God go, loves yeah, people. Mm-hmm. And we look at this as yeah. a distraction versus, wow, you're spending time with me. And I care about your daughter right now. And she called you last night and you were in bed. Maybe you should call her back. And mm-hmm. so it, yeah, it's so different. But I, I think to answer your question for me, Joy, there's so many things that the danger <laughs> yeah. is. For me as a pastor, someone to tell you, this is exactly what you need to do versus these are some great practices, mm-hmm. but man, follow the spirit. Um, you know, if, if you're about to pull out for church on a Sunday and your neighbor, your heathen neighbor over there is, is yanking on that lawnmower <laughs> cord and you know exactly what to do to help homeboy out, maybe you should put the car in park, mm-hmm. go over there and help him. Absolutely. And that might be a lot better use of your time than making sure... You know, you're at church, church on time. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think, I think above and beyond that, there are so many things that if we were honest, we rate our own Christian Christianity rating, like goes up or down based on whether we do or don't do certain things or whether we think or don't think certain things. And we have this sort of like meter for everybody else as well. Mm-hmm. And in the main, and so I will preface this by saying I am just as much a theology nerd as you will be happy to find you Clay. <laughs> I am I can, I, if you would yeah. believe it yep but i can vouch for that there are th- the amount of things that someone could say to me where i would say you know i'm not sure that you're a christian like i'm not <laughs> sure that you really understand the gospel so like for, if someone said you know jesus never had a body he was just a vapor floating around but I love Jesus and I'm following him. I'd be like, well, you, we need to have a little bit more of a conversation about the incarnation and Jesus's death on the cross, some of these sorts of things. But the number of those things are so small when you get down to the bottom of it, it's mm-hmm. Jesus was God and man. He, he's the Lord. And yet he came to die in our place and he rose from the dead. And our hope is that one day we'll join him in, in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. I think that that is pretty close to the core. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, and then you can talk about it like atonement theories with that. But there are so many of these other things that we turn into. Like if you vote this way, you're actually a yes. bad Christian. Yep. If you vote this way, you're a good Christian. Yep. And all the good Christians are going to be on this side of this social issue mm-hmm. or on that. Or, you know, all, all these. And even like... 
you know, good Christians are going to go to this kind of a church and not that kind of a church. It's so funny. I, I have some really wonderful friends who are Roman Catholic who love Jesus. Oh yeah. And who and yep. inspire me mm-hmm. and have inspired me for years to dig deeper into my walk with Christ. Same. And it's like, well, they yeah. they seem to have something really good going yeah, on. Absolutely. And and it, you know, we that's a much more complex conversation, but I think I agree with you, John. There there's so much where it's like if you do this sort of thing, if you go to this sort of place with these sorts of people, if you vote this kind of way, your Christianity meter it just drops that's legalism that is adding a hedge to the law of love Mm -hmm. um and i think we would do better to learn to appreciate the gifts in others to learn to appreciate the simplicity of the gospel yeah uh and then to allow for a lot more mystery and questions and relationships to thrive because even god He's not like coming down and trying to sort the wheat and the tares right now. Mm. He's letting them grow together. And he says, there's a time for that. You need to let me handle that. Yeah. And in the meantime, we live as a testimony to the greatness of Jesus. Yeah. And that requires a lot of trust and open handedness um, and discernment. And honestly, yeah, the point, <laughs> the point is Jesus really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I could, I could argue the other side too, you know, cause there's, there's two sides to every coin. Yeah, because then you can be like, well, but you don't want to be too right. extreme to, and you got to, yeah, yeah, like the truth matters, truth exists, so on and so forth. And yet, um, even Jesus in all of his teaching came, the, the amount of like theological statements that Jesus made are way, they're so much smaller. There are way more theological implications of what he says, but what he's talking about is how can I love? Well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, if you look at the sermon on the Mount, he doesn't say, all right, open up your scrolls to page 15. And we're (laughs) going to start talking about Christology because it's, even though I love Christology, you know, I'll be the first person to teach a class on Christology because I think it's great. And so it's, and and on and on it goes, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that what you know is not the point. It's, it's, are you, uh, becoming more and more like Jesus yep. as you love God and love others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So absolutely. Well, uh, unless you guys had anything else to say, I think that that pretty much wraps up our time. So, well, thank you first of all to Clay and to John just for having this conversation, unpacking your sermons a bit more, unpacking the text a bit more and the context, like all that. I think, I mean, it's really helpful for me and for the people who are listening. I'm sure it's helpful for you all as well, since you're tuning in. And I, I just, I appreciate uh, you guys who are listening for tuning in each week. Like that's, it's really good to see people who, who want to learn about Jesus, who want to learn more. I mean, I think that's a good thing, you know, so Yeah, I think that's just about it. So until next time, we'll sign off. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.